Hello and welcome to Family Renewal. I'm Israel Wayne, your host. We hope you'll stay with us for the next 30 minutes as we take a look at faith, family, and culture, all through the lenses of a biblical worldview. This program is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to another episode of the Family Renewal Podcast. I'm Israel Wayne. And I'm Brooke Wayne. We're going to be talking with you about a topic that is relevant for most families. And if you haven't run into this problem yet, you probably will at some point. It's the topic of stealing and lying. We received a letter that we wanted to read as kind of the introduction for this broadcast. And it's from a concerned mother. It says, hello, I have a question and was hoping you may have some sound biblical advice. My 11-year-old son lies. He has always struggled with it. Not flat-out lying, but lying nonetheless. When a chore hasn't been completed and we ask him about it, instead of telling the truth, he will say he doesn't remember if he completed it. The other lie we catch him in is probably a common one, but regardless, not acceptable. He will lie or blame someone else if he is nervous about getting in trouble. I had a wise friend tell me to have him write out Bible verses. This has not helped. I also believe he doesn't stop and think before speaking and tends to blurt things out before realizing he has done so. We obviously want to help him grow and we don't want to crush his spirit. This is definitely a trigger for me personally growing up with a mother who wasn't always truthful. Was hoping this might be something you could address. All right, so we want to dig into this topic of lying, but we figured that we would also address the topic of stealing because really these two sins tend to go hand in hand in that they are both about deception. Usually there is something that's being covered up. Um, Typically, if there is any stealing, there will also be lying that Mm -hmm. goes along with it. Uh, But it kind of comes from the same root place. And so we want to try to address the heart of this matter and what Christian parents can do to help their children to overcome this sin of lying and stealing. So I think the first thing we want to do is we want to go to the Scripture. We want to try to look at what does the Scripture say about this issue. Well, first of all, uh, we are told in the Ten Commandments that we should not steal, and that we should not bear a false witness against our neighbor. Um, we are told in Proverbs twelve twenty two, the Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in those who are trustworthy. Um, there are so many passages that talk about the importance of honesty, and we would encourage you to address these with your children, and when you have a issue related to lying or stealing, um, we think it's a good thing to do what this lady's friend recommended, which is have your children read and study and even memorize scriptures that speak about honesty um, and that talk about the importance of um, respecting other people's property Um, In fact, we are told by Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that not only should we not take something that belongs to another person, 
but we shouldn't even covet it. We shouldn't even be desiring that uh, in our lives. So what do you think about this topic, uh, Brooke? I know we recently had to go through something with one of our children on this matter, and um, this may come as a surprise to some of our listeners, but um, we've discovered that our children, uh, much like every other child that has ever been born in the history of humankind, uh, that they are sinners. And uh, sometimes as Christian parents, we don't like to think of the fact that our children sin because we think it reflects poorly on us and our parenting. Um, But the fact is, um, that's our nature. We're born uh, with original sin and with a desire to go against what God says. And so we want to help our children to learn how to turn away from their sin and how to turn to Christ, but they're not born knowing how to do this. And sometimes you have those disappointing moments as parents where your children do things that are wrong. And uh, we had a child that was caught in both stealing and lying fairly Mm -hmm. recently, and it's um, quasi-habitual. Well, it kind of came about because I noticed that one of my children had a deck of cards that I had previously seen at a friend's house we had been staying at. And so I asked that child, "Uh, where did you get this? Didn't this come from the house that we were staying at and had been guests at? So when the opportunity came, this child did own up to it. But I was looking for more than just admitting wrong, admitting, yes, I stole this. I was looking for that child to actually repent. And so it gave me an opportunity to talk with that child and be able to share what the scriptures say. We went through a couple of verses, and I had this child look up what, what is it actually in the scriptures and read it for themselves. So I turned to Israel and I said, okay, this child has taken this deck of cards. It's a stealing, but there needs to be some sort of consequence for this. And so together we began looking through the scriptures. What, what kind of appropriate um, consequence was there in the Old Testament? And so we saw various things that had to do with stealing and what sort of restoration was needed for taking an ox. Five oxen were supposed to be replaced or restored to the person that the man had stolen from. There's times about four times as many sheep for one sheep. There's mention of seven times for a man who steals because he's hungry, including everything in his house is to be taken and restored. The principle here is about restoring, and it's about having a consequence that, that's weighty, feel something. And that's hard to put our children through, but as we look at Scripture, we see that God takes it very seriously. The stealing is wrong. That's, it. that's part of the Ten Commandments. And as parents, we need to make sure that we have that stance and don't just go, oh, that was cute, or um, try to just make it seem light and petty when it's a very serious issue, even if it's as small as taking a pencil or as, um, you know, stealing time on the job when they're supposed to be doing something else. So when we had this child that had sold the deck of cards, we told this child that there would need to be some restitution, and so a purchase of a deck of cards was made in addition to sending back the original set that had been stolen. But then there was the cost of the um, envelope, padded envelope, and there was the cost of the shipping, and um, a very humbling letter to write. And so those types of consequences really spoke to our child about 
lying is a serious issue, mom and dad won't let you get by with it. And we thought that that would fix the problem. But a couple weeks later, we ran into another problem of a little bit different nature. We had a struggle about a certain, certain set of books that this child really, really, really wanted to read. And I felt like they were too mature. So I had said, in about two years, I'm willing to reconsider, but for now, they're off limits. Well, we're at one of those wonderful homeschool conventions, and there was lots of books around, and the child slipped away and purchased these forbidden books. You know, just books that I didn't want to have this child reading at that time. And um, snuck them in the van. So I was in the van. We were obviously out of town at that time. I was in the van, and I found them, and I knew exactly who had put them there because we'd had multiple conversations by this point. And, you know, I was disappointed, but it was just like with discovering those deck of cards. I also have to go thank God for letting me find out my child's sin. And um, I thank God because he's helping us busy moms and dads to be able to have a point of reference to speak into our children's lives, be able to dress the sin that is gripping their hearts and would take them down. And so I, I, again, just first thank God for helping me find out about my child's sin because it was pretty well hidden. It was a little bit accidental that I even found it. But there it was, and I needed to deal with it. And so I had a quiet moment with this child, and I was able to talk and share. Remember, we talked about this. I had said, no, this is not a book that I'm allowing you to read at this point in your life. And yet you were deceitful. You You lied. And went behind me to get this book. And of course this child was like, no, I didn't lie. But I was able to show that, yes, because you were deceitful in your actions, it's a form of lying. So despite the deceit of uh, stealing, there's also the deceit of lying. So the situation, well, though, was that we were on a trip. And so I took the books and one of them was missing. And, um, and there were three books that had been purchased behind my back. And I said, well, when we get to finding that other one, then you need to return it to me. There were a lot of tears, but it gave me a good opportunity to really share about redemption and how God does not want us to live in a state of bondage to ourselves, of lying, of stealing. And there wasn't a lot of response, but I was grateful for the opportunity to share Fast forward another week, and those books, we were, we were on this trip, and they resurfaced. And the child had taken them back, at least one of them, and, and was trying to hide it from me. And, of course, I was a little wise to it at this point, but um, I had to jump aside and say, Wait, I told you these were off-limits for you. It's not a bad book. It was just off-limits for this child at that time. So, anyhow... We finally got home, and I had the child throw the books in um, the recycle bin. We're kind of picky, and we're kind of weird about always recycling and everything. So anyways, they were there in the recycling bin. Outside. This was a huge temptation, but I kind of knew that this was going to be a temptation, so I was keeping my eye on it, and I went out there to check on the books. And when she know it, this little one saw that I was checking on it and must have thought, oh, I know what's going on. So wouldn't you know it, when I went back to check five minutes later, there they were. And, um, you know, obviously, I've been replaced. So very carefully 
put in the very top of the recycling bin outside. So, so the child had taken the books yes. and had gone out in the woods, right? I and think it was. had hidden them under a bush <laughs> yes. or something like that with the idea of retrieving them at a short time in the future and probably sneaking them back into a bedroom mm-hmm. unbeknownst to the parents, that kind so, of thing. This is one of those deals where it's, it doesn't stop at lying and stealing. It kind of quickly becomes something of addiction. But isn't that what most sin is like? It is. It compounds. You know, it's like you have this initial sin and then you have to create some kind of deception or diversion to cover that up. And then sometimes you have to create a cover-up to cover up the cover-up. Right. And you just end up getting in this deep pattern. Mm -hmm. And I remember my mother, when I was little, uh, praying prayers that if we had done something that we shouldn't, that God would expose it and that we would get (laughs) caught. And, of course, that's never a comforting thing when you're... A child and your mother's praying to God that the bad things that you do will be found out and that you'll be caught um, because you actually assume as a child that God will probably hear and honor your parents' prayers. Uh, but <laughs> More in, than your prayers of hiding and sneaking, right? <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, but, you know, that's not a bad prayer to pray, really, to pray that God will expose mm-hmm. our children's sin and that... God will not allow their sin to remain hidden because it's really not for their good that they are allowed to develop some kind of a habitual pattern. Like the letter that we got from this lady, um, it sounds as though uh, this lady's child is habitually doing this to the point that they don't even realize so much that they're doing it anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just become a habit. It's become a pattern. And so, why don't you go ahead and explain uh, where you went from there? So, oh, so I find these. So books. they end up back in the recycle bin. Like, ta-da! They've been yes. there all along, right? But you know, I really feel grateful that I had this thought. Like, I better check on that and make sure that they're still there, because when it came time, like, oh, aha, they were gone. It enabled me to approach it um, a lot less emotionally and be able to talk gently with that child because I caught them in that sin. And it's just what the scriptures say. If any of you catches someone in sin, you should speak gently and kindly to them. I don't think he uses the word kindly there. But he uses the word gently. You should gently address them and beware lest you fall into temptation also. He says, you who are mature. You who are mature. And as a mom, I'm supposed to be the mature one. Yeah, you're supposed (laughs) to restore them. But, you know, it's interesting in that situation, I'm going to play critic here for a minute, that uh, it could be argued that you don't sound like you're being very trusting of your children. Are you not a trusting parent? Do you not trust your children? (laughs) Well, when they are obviously showing that they are lying and deceitful and stealing, you go... I need to be wise to this. I need to know what's going on, and I need to address it every time it comes up. So, then what happened? Let's, let's just finish out the story. So, so, the story goes on that I helped this child go through a process and say, actually acknowledging with their mouth that what they've done is wrong. Because the um, pattern in this whole episode had been lying every time we talked about the book. So, uh, I built a little fire out in our bonfire 
you know, marshmallow fire pit. Fire pit. And uh, a place that we've always had fun times. It's always been associated with fun times. But this time, I required my child to tear apart each page and throw it in the fire and let the whole episode come to its glad ending. Glad for my sake. And throughout that process, I prayed for this child. I prayed that that one's heart would be turned to see their sin. And what our children really need to see is that they themselves are sinners. So often, I think, for these young people growing up in homeschool homes, they they feel like, well, I'm pretty good. I've never done anything bad. I've never lived out on the streets and done drugs or killed anybody, etc., etc. Sometimes I think it actually can be very helpful for our children to see that their own depravity, see where their lying or stealing took them. So that tearing of the pages and burning of what, you know, he... This one esteemed as a very valuable item, books. I showed him. And even spent money on. And yeah, had there been money spent on it. But um, to see, no, it is of no value because lying will never get you what you want. Yeah, you know, this lady who sent us this letter um, actually responded privately. And one of the things that I reminded her is that sometimes I think as parents – we focus on character development. We focus on moral training. And one of the difficulties with that scenario is that oftentimes we are trying to teach our child to be moral, but oftentimes they don't actually know Christ. And um, this is probably not something that most of us want to think about But the fact is, oftentimes, we have children living in our homes who are not born again. They're not regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And for us to expect that they can live an overcoming, victorious Christian life in their flesh, uh, devoid of the power of the Holy Spirit, is foolishness. Um, The natural man does not have the capacity within them to desire the things that are of Christ. Um, Can they do moral actions? Well, yes. Uh, Atheists and agnostics can do good deeds, and they can walk little old ladies across the street, and there can be a certain amount of moral altruism that is shown by unbelievers. But what I'm talking about is the inclination and desire of their heart. What do they really want to do? And when you see a child who really wants to lie, who really wants to steal, who really wants to sneak, who really wants to be enveloped in their addiction, and they really don't have remorse about it in a godly way. They may have worldly sorrow where they don't like being caught, but they don't have godly sorrow where they really weep over the fact that they've sinned against God or they've sinned against someone else, and and that pains them. Um, When you don't see that remorse in them and you don't see a desire for the things that are right, that's a really good indication that that person is not genuinely born again. And I think one of the struggles that we have with that is the fact that within our modern evangelical churches, we have been taught that if a child prays a sinner's prayer— Uh, repeat some magic words, if you will, 
and somebody leads them in a prayer at VBS or Sunday school, or even they pray with their parents and they say that they want to be a Christian, or maybe they're even baptized, that sometimes we assume, well, they're saved. And I'm just going to straight out say that may not be the case. Um, I don't want for all of us to immediately assume that our children are not regenerate if they've made a confession of faith. But if they have made a profession of faith, then there should be fruit that is consistent with their confession. And I'm not talking about sinless perfection on the part of our children because um, they do have a flesh and they have desires uh, that are based in the flesh. And so um, there's going to be that battle between the flesh and the spirit, even if they're genuinely converted. But the difference is going to be that someone who is truly born again will desire the things that please Christ. They will want to do the right thing. And there are many children, and you may recognize this to be true of your own children, there are many children who they don't want the right thing. They don't desire the things of the Lord. They have only a desire for their sin and the only remorse that they show is getting caught, being disciplined, uh, losing a privilege, having something taken away from them, maybe being embarrassed. Um, they don't like the consequences of being caught in their sin, but there's nothing in them that would make them want to stop. And that's where that cycle, that repetitive cycle, just never goes away. So, what do you do if you find yourself in that situation? I think one of the things you have to do is you have to really go to prayer and intercede on behalf of that child that God will change their heart, that God will get a hold of them, will reveal himself to them so that they have an understanding of the holiness of God, of who God is, but then also that they see themselves for who they are, that they see their own sinfulness, they see their own unworthiness, they see their own depravity, and they desire to be in right relationship with God. You as a Christian parent cannot do that for them. You cannot make them love Christ. You can't make them love other people. You can't make them desire to do the things that please the Lord. The Holy Spirit inside of them will make them want to do all of those things. If the Holy Spirit is truly residing in them, they will love God, they will love other people, and they will want to do the right things. So as parents, um, this is going to sound a little bit cliche, but I think sometimes we need to do an awful lot more praying, and um, the emphasis of having them memorize all the character charts and the 522 rules of obedience and all the things that many parents are inclined to do, and uh, we love homeschoolers, we're homeschoolers, but homeschoolers are the worst at that, really. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they, they want this paint-by-numbers kit sometimes, this formula, and there's this desire to say, okay, what do I do? Give me the three easy steps that are going to make my child stop lying or going to make my child stop stealing. Um, so that I can just get past this uncomfortable, embarrassing little hurdle, and then we can move on with our life. 
But I'm going to suggest that maybe we haven't really dug deep enough to get to the root of this matter. If our children are born again, then what we want to do is we want to not merely discipline them in terms of their behavior, but we want to get to the heart of the matter. And the root of both of these sins of lying and stealing, ultimately, there's a lack of love going on in both places. Um, in, in one sense, um, we could say that um, there's an awful lot of love going on. but <laughs> Love of self? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's because we're made to love. And we will always be loving something or someone at any given point. Mm-hmm. So the question is, are we loving Christ and are we loving our neighbor as we're commanded? Or are we loving ourselves And when you're lying or stealing, you are deeply loving yourself above Christ, and you're deeply loving yourself above other people. That's not acceptable for someone who is a child of God. And so we want to hold the mirror of Scripture up to our child and remind them of the holiness of God, of what God is like. So when we teach our children the Ten Commandments, for example— Um, One of the things that we want to do is we want to teach our children that God gives his commands and in a way that reflects what is consonant or consistent with his nature and his character. So when he tells us, don't lie, that's because he is in himself, in his nature, the truth. Like Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the truth. And when he says, don't steal... Um, That is because that which belongs to your neighbor uh, is not yours, and you're to have an attitude of contentedness, of realizing that God is your supply, that he is sufficient to be all that you need and to give you all that you need. And when you have a discontentedness in your heart and you desire something above and beyond what God has chosen to give to you, You are reflecting at that time, you're reflecting in that moment, an accusation that you hold in your heart, even subconsciously, that God has not been good enough to you. It is a questioning of the goodness of God. And so you're saying that God has not been as good to me as I know how to be to myself. And I can treat myself better than God has treated me. It's a very dangerous place to be in. So recognizing with our children that God is holy, that he is our supply, that he has provided everything that we need for life and godliness, and that if we do what Matthew 6.33 says, if we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he'll provide the things that we actually need. He'll make sure that we're taken care of. doesn't mean he'll always give us everything that we want because that's not good for us. Like James talks about, sometimes we ask and we don't get something because we've asked amiss. We want to spend it on our own pleasures. But God will definitely give us what we need if it is for his glory, our good, and the good of others. So anyway, just want to encourage you, try to go to the heart of the matter with the child and try to show them how this is uh, stealing is a lack of contentedness and it's an accusation against the goodness of God that he is being faithful to meet and supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory, which he promises in Scripture. Um, and then lying is going against his very nature of who he is 
uh, and lying to another person um, is a lack of, of trust. It, it creates a lack of trust. It creates a lack of intimacy in relationships. And um, we want to try to get to the, the root of those matters. And if they are truly a born-again Christian, they're going to care about that because they're going to be working in them. Yeah, yeah, they're going to want to grow as a Christian. Uh, if they're not born again, then they probably just won't care. I'd like to share this part in Proverbs uh, 12, verses 19 and 20. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but a moment. Deceit is in the heart of those who devise evil, but those who plead in peace have joy. One of the characteristics of a liar or a thief is there's a lack of joy. And I really think this verse has a lot um, parents could unpack as far as devising a plan, helping your child plan peace instead of plan deceit. People think that if they steal and they get something that they want, that that'll actually make them happy. And yet, I was reading to the children about how ill-gotten gain is of no value. I think that was in Proverbs 10, in the first couple of verses. We were reading that yesterday. Ill-gotten gain is of no value. And we were discussing that. And I asked my children, um, how is it of no value? It seems like it's of value, right? I mean, maybe you actually get away with something where you steal something and you can sell it and you can get money and... Maybe you even get away with the crime. Well, isn't there value in that? Not ultimately, because ultimately uh, we stand before the judge of the universe, the God whose eyes see all things and he knows all things. And uh, we have to give an account for the things that we do. And uh, ultimately, you never really get to enjoy stolen waters, if you will. You don't get to enjoy the things that you've taken from deceit. You're always worried that somebody will find out. You look over your shoulder. Um, some of you may have read in literature years ago uh, Dostoevsky's, Fyodor Dostoevsky's book, Crime and Punishment, uh, about the young man who committed this crime and then basically worked his way into getting caught because he couldn't live with the guilt of having committed a crime and got away with and having gotten away with it. And that's how we are. You know, we realize that um, there is a right and wrong. And uh, ultimately, we can never really be happy. We can never really experience joy when we are using something that we didn't work for, that we didn't earn, uh, that we took through deceit. So I'd encourage you parents to rejoice when you actually find your child doing wrong. Because you found it. You have an opportunity, a platform now, to share the heart of the gospel with your child. And um, depending on whether they are a believer or not, the, um, the sorrow, the godly sorrow, or the worldly sorrow they display may be very different. It's something I came across years ago. Now, oftentimes we need to lead our children in the proper kind of sorrow. And we need to talk to them gently about it. Kindly, but we also need to be very firm about the sin of stealing and lying, scolding, bribery, or letting letting um, you know being very light on stealing and lying will never reap good results, and yet being harsh and angry about it, which is sometimes our tendency as parents, won't reap good results either. Ephesians four twenty eight says, "Let the thief no longer steal." This is what we desire for our children. They no longer steal, but rather let him labor, 
work is supposed to be a part of the restoration process, doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. A lot of times for a child who is stealing, there's that tendency to pamper themselves, to add to their own stash of stuff. And if we can help turn that that around, lead them in processes of giving, of working hard and being able to give, there's um, a lot of potential for seeing God work through that. Well, we're really grateful for you listening to this podcast. We want to thank you for uh, the fact that uh, we get to interact with you through this format. There's some other ways you can interact with us as well, and we invite you to do that. If you're not already doing so, please um, sign up on our Facebook pages. We have a couple of them. I have a personal page, which is Israel.Wayne, facebook.com forward slash Israel.Wayne, and then forward slash Israel Wayne author is my author's page. And then our ministry page is forward slash family renewal. We've been doing a parenting tip of the day fairly frequently on there, and those are all free. Uh, So we encourage you to do that. We also would love for you to sign up on our email list. Our email list is a way that we can keep in touch with you. We send about one email a month. That's about all we have time to do. But we will also contact you if we're going to be in your area doing a seminar or speaking at a conference or a church. Our sign-up page is familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe. So familyrenewal.org forward slash subscribe, and you can sign up. Just make sure when you do so that you check your spam folder or your email because you'll have to click through a little confirmation link in order to make that official. We encourage you to do that, and also you can purchase our books. I've written a a number of books, including Full-Time Parenting, A Guide to Family-Based Discipleship, which is an overview of a biblical view of Christian parenting. I've also written a couple Bible studies that are great for individual or family Bible study, and uh, those are called Questions God Asks, where... Uh, And then questions Jesus asks, questions God asks being a Bible study on the Old Testament, questions Jesus asks being a study predominantly on the Gospels. And then our latest book is entitled Pitching a Fit, Overcoming Angry and Stressed Out Parenting. You can get uh, our books, some of our audio teachings uh, via download. Um, You can buy those at familyrenewal.org forward slash shop. So thank you guys for um, interacting with us, staying in touch with us. Uh, We are grateful for you. We pray for you and your families that God will help you to become the family that uh, God wants you to be. So until next time. Thank you, and God bless. Thank you.